0: tonight and i believe brother harold will still want us to continue in the service of the lord and i uh, i don't feel adequate to really preach tonight but we're gonna play a portion of a tape and i believe it'd be a blessing to you and before we do that why don't we take our bibles together Turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and verse 20. Paul and Silas were imprisoned here, and it says in verse 20, it says, And they brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all of the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed them, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And then he called for a light, and, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. Amen. May the Lord as a blessing to the word. you may have your seats. Amen. I'm not going to really give any preliminary. Tonight, sorry, I'm just looking at where he's got it there. If you just scroll down, brother, Ethan, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, up a bit, up a bit to 10. There you go. Go up one more paragraph. There we are. All right. Forgive me. The paragraphs are different on there than they are on my phone, apparently. Amen. But we just want to enjoy the service. It's about 40 minutes portion here, but um, where he preaches the message, Thy House, in uh, 1961 in, in August the 8th. and let's uh, Let's just pull on the word and enjoy it as best we can. Amen. Love the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Brother Ethan, you can... You can start that.
1: I tell you, I know you don't come there to hear me. It's just one of these little twisting questions that I thought that I would like to speak of just a minute. Um, about thy house then I see you each one so nicely have your house set in order your your children saved and and uh, uh, that's that's nice to have your family all Christians because I we we want our families we each one think of our children and I certainly can command you find people down here of your lovely uh, children, how you have them all in order and everything like that. Uh, how do you do, sister? And I believe this is, uh, wasn't that mother just coming back there? The Lord bless you. I'm glad to see you again tonight. And I believe this is Brother Willie's wife, isn't it right? And that's the boss of the family right there, as I understand. It. Or that's the way it goes at our house. <laughs> and to have your house. Now, Paul said here to um, to this uh, Roman centurion, the when he was, we find out that Paul had been beaten the evening before, command, commanded by the magistrates and had been beaten because it, uh, he had done nothing evil. He'd been up there preaching the gospel. And uh, the clergy there had it against Paul because he had preached the gospel. And they said he's turning the world upside down. And um, he went down the street as a little fortune teller, a woman with a, a spirit of fortune telling. And uh, she was hard to tell these fortunes. And when they were going down the street, she cried cry after Paul and say, They're a man of God who tell us the way of, of life. And uh, Paul didn't need the devil to assist him in anything. So he just turned around and rebuked that spirit and the woman. And when it did, oh, that caused an uproar. And when they found out, the, the spirit had left her, and she could not tell no more fortunes. So uh, the, the one that had her heart out there was probably taking care of her. it caused a great uproar and they were beaten and put into jail and I can imagine Paul and Silas laying back in that old buggy jail on the inner courts way back the outside where the best prisoners was kept was bad enough but they was on the inside and when they went way back they was putting stocks I don't know would you all ever see stocks I've had the privilege of seeing them they they put them across your feet then they put them across your hands and then put them across your neck and there you are sitting there and the Chinese capital punishment, the way they used to it, is very cruel. They'd put them in those stocks and put a drip of water, just one drip at a time, falling on top of their head like that until it just drove them insane. They'd sit there and give them nothing to eat or drink like that, and their, their eyes would turn and everything. and just horrible thing. they say the first few drops, of course, for maybe the first day, it isn't so bad. But they say after a few days that those drops, like 50 tons falling in the Time, hit right in that same spot because you can't move your head. You're in those stocks. And just think that Paul and Silas, for preaching the gospel, was laying back in that old dirty place and probably rats and mice and bugs on them and everything. What a place for a man preaching the gospel. And we think today that we complain because we had things a little hard. Look what they did. And knowing what was waiting them, perhaps. Execution the next morning, but they were faithful. They they were they stayed faithful. And long about midnight in there, and I, I can just think of how they must have felt. Their backs sticking to the old dirt, were prisoners and this leprosy and everything else. And in, in them days, and laying against the old hard floor, might have been a dirt floor, rats running over them. But in the midst of all of that, perhaps no supper. And beaten till it was bleeding and bruised and sore. No doctor to wash out the wounds or anything for infection that we'd use today or something like that. Just throw them back there and put them in the stocks and put them in that condition. But they wasn't complaining. Not one word of complaint came from them. And knowing maybe the next morning the magistrates would probably uh, call them before the emperor and when they did or the... Sanhedrin and they'd be executed for preaching this heresy that was called in them days a gospel that we truly earnestly contend for that same faith today. And um, then when we go to thinking about that then the miles gets a little shorter between one another, you see, each time we go to thinking about it. And um, then we uh, find out that along about midnight, uh, Paul and Silas uh, must have talked about the Lord until about midnight. And then they begin to sing hymns, some good old Christian song. Oh, if we'd sing it today, we'd sing There's Power in the Blood, or Oh, How I Love Jesus, or something like that. And when they begin to sing, all of a sudden an earthquake struck the place. And notice how done. instead of piling those walls of that big old building right in on top of them and, and mashed them to death, it shook the walls away from them. And not only that, but it, it it broke the stocks and bars loose from them, and they were set free. I think over their feet, over their hands, and over their neck, they were set free, every one of them. And instead of that big old heavy Roman prison breaking in on them, it fell away from them like this, and not only that, but the shackles and things fell off of them. See, that's our God when we hold out faithful. See, we must stay faithful. And as long as we're faithful and no, we, not, we may not be in that kind of a shape. We, none of us may get I hope we don't get like that. but we can be faithful in what we got to, what we have to go through with. Maybe it's a persecution, maybe it's somebody laughs at you, maybe somebody says, you're old time, you're a holy roller or, or whatever they might want to call you, or make fun of you or something. Let's be faithful just the same because God respects our faithfulness to that just the same as he would respect their faithfulness to what they were they had to go through with. And then all of a sudden when the Roman prisoner, the centurion, must uh, must uh, the guard at the door, he must have thought that that night when Paul and Silas were talking on Scripture, he must have learned something because he didn't know the man, but he must have known some way or heard their singing or something that caused him to know right quick that they were a holy man. Because, you see, they, he was a Roman and they were Jews, and he was a pagan, and they were Christians. But did you notice? As soon as he found out that there was that the prison had been shut down, and he noted he'd have to answer for that. sentry. You remember the time of Elijah, when he had himself disguised and met King Ahab out there and said, "I was a sentry, and my life, of course, was staked with the man." And he got away, and and. Uh, he said, well, you pay for it then with your life. That's the duty of a sentry. So he unwrapped himself and said, he was Elijah the prophet, and said, you let it, the, the king go, Agagger, And he said, you, you'll pay with it with your own life. And he did do it. So then uh, we find out that this Roman centurion, knowing that he had answered with his own life for these, he pulled out his sword as soon as he found out gone and started to kill himself take his own life instead of have to go through punishment. Some of those, maybe setting them the same kind of stocks and so forth until he died. So he thought he'd just end it all up and jerk out his sword and kill himself. But quickly, Paul screamed out when he saw it and said, do yourself no harm, for we're all here. See, and the man realized then that there must have been something taken place before that that made this man to know that they were Christian man or holy man. Because quickly he fell down at their feet. I'd imagine he heard them singing songs. He heard them testifying. He heard their conversation. Now, let's just think a minute, folks. If that Roman centurion was convinced and convicted because that he heard them two men beaten prisoners, now, we're still free, and we're not beat or prisoners. But your and their testimony had such an influence till it caused him to say, what must I do to be saved? Then what are we to do with our influence? See, we should be testifying. You young people, whatever it is, you may not preach. Maybe God never called you to preach, but you—if you're a housewife or whatever you are, teenager—let's let, do something. You know that and live a life that makes the people say, "Well, that, thats a Christian going there. That—that's a Christian." And um, so we find that this fellow must have been impressed some way by them songs or whatever they were doing in there to realize they were Christians. So um, he got a light, and when he came come in and seen that there stood Paul, and even the prisoners back in there, none of them was trying to get away. Everybody was there. So he, he put up his sword and fell down to the feet of Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, did you notice you and I today, and most all ministers or so forth, we're always trying to tell a fellow what not to do. We'd say, now, quit your smoking. Quit your lying, quit your stealing, quit your this or that. Now that that wasn't what the man asked. He he didn't say what do I have to quit doing to be saved. He said what must I do to be saved? See, we try to tell him what they must stop doing. See, and say, well, I must uh, do this, that, the other. No, see, that is the question: of What must I do? Now, what must I stop doing? But you just do what you're supposed to do, and all the rest of it will take care of itself. Your lying, stealing, your or drinking, gambling, and doing the things that's evil. It'll stop when you do what Paul answered his question. What must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thy, and thy house shall be saved. Now, the reason I thought about saying this, because you people here, most of you, your, your children are saved. See, they're Christians. I've admired Brother Evans' family, these young men here. Usually, who would you get a teenager to sit around and listen to someone preacher talk? Well, they'd be out and gone somewhere. Little girls like that. I said to Brother Fred, his kids, why, they, they can just hear me say one thing, it's wrong. They're, they're, they're ready to stop it right now, you see. And set with the highest respect. Instead of being out uh, hot rodding, rambling around, they'll, when they hear you speak about the gospel, they're ready to sit right there and listen. See? Now, I know we all won't think our kids as renegades and things like that, but we we to stop that. I believe it. We must remember that these kids are the best kids in the world because they're our children, and we claim them for God. Now, your salvation will not save that child. But now, Paul said, said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thy and thy house shall be saved." Now, he, now, what did he mean by that? He didn't mean that because they were saved, that their house would be saved with it. He meant this. That because they were, if he had enough faith to be saved himself, his same amount of faith that he had for himself would work for his children. See what I mean? Now, I've got my children. There's my little son, Joseph, Billy, Sarah, Rebecca. Well, now I want to see each one of them a worker in the gospel doing something. I want to see them saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I've committed them to God and say I'm holding on to God for them. See? And I believe they're going to be saved, every one of them, see? I believe they're going to be saved, and I'll have them on the other side. And uh, I don't believe my salvation will save them, no. But my faith in God will do it. See, my faith, believing God, will do it. And it cause them to come to Christ. And I believe that's where you people, praying for your children, and that's the reason your children have the, the manners and the... And the real lady and gentleman in this uh, wild age that we're living in, yet they had that, that uh, part about them that's the best I know of any kids. See? Well, I think the reason of that is because that your prayers for them and you've committed them to God and holding on. See, now the Roman said, uh, What must I do? He just asked for himself. He said, What must I do? And he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou and thy house shall be saved. See? Now, now, we've got one thing to do. Let's drop back just a minute to get something to drive in on my text. Now, it's this. Let's take an old man that I know of in the Bible by the name of Job. Now, Job was a great man. There was nobody like him in his days. Job was a prophet. And uh, people come from far and near to hear Job. And God blessed him, and he had, he had prospered. And he was a rich man. Oh, he had thousands of head of cattle and sheep and, and the things that he had... And uh, while he said when he would go uh, out into the streets, the young princes from the east, that's the magis, uh, the wise astronomers, you know, they were saying, said they would bow before him just to ask the word of his wisdom. See, he was a smart man. He's he's a prophet. And um, so uh, the devil looked down and he saw that that Job was a smart man. So uh, I'll show you how a a smart man does. Now, Coming back to the text, i in thy house. Job said, when he seen everything was just in good order, like your homes are now, he said, uh, you know, my children's married and gone off. But said, maybe, one, one, prevent your one of them might have sinned. Now, there's one requirement God had. That was a burnt offering. He said, now, I don't, he didn't believe his children sin, but said, prevent your they might sin because they're visiting one another and going to the parties at one another's homes and so forth and mixing up, I guess, and so forth. He said, if one of them has sin, so, Lord, I'll bring a burnt offering and offer this burnt offering for my child, see? And uh, that's all they know to do. That's all God required, a burnt offering. That's what all he required. Well, then when the great midnight hour come and struck and poor old Job was in the condition he was, he, you know, he lost all of his cattle, all of his sheep and the storms, come and kill his children, fire burned up his servants, and, and he broke his own health, failed him. He sat in the backyard on an ash heap, and, and his own bo- body broke out with boils, so he took a piece of crock and scraped his boils, And even his wife uh, got discouraged with him. He come and said, Job, now uh, let, let's just kind of think the way she said Now, look, there sits Job. He sat out there all night. There sits uh, uh, his consolers with their back turned to him. And they've told him he's sinned. That's the church members. That's uh, the deacon board or whatever it is of the church. Come down to see him. And they sit seven days there and still tell him, Job, you might as well make a confession. Because you have sinned. Because God wouldn't let a righteous man be tormented like that. But God does let a righteous man be tormented like that. God sometimes it, it, things happen to us because we sin but sometimes it, it's testing a saint instead of chastising a sinner so we find out that uh, Job was a righteous man and God was testing because Satan said oh sure when he came up before God with the sons of God he said because God said to him where you been he said oh just walking to and fro and up and down on the earth he said you consider my servant Job he's a perfect man there's nobody on the earth like him God was pleased with that Oh, he just loves to have a servant that he can trust in. He said, there's not another man on earth like him. See? He said, he's a perfect man. And that was before the blood of Jesus Christ was shed. See? And they said, uh, he's a perfect man. He's just, he's upright. There's none like him. Satan said, oh, sure. Look what you've done for him. You give him everything. He's got homes. He's got children. He's got cattle. He's got everything he wants. Sure, anybody could serve you like that. He said, let me have him one time. I'll make him curse you to your face. He said, Satan, he's in your hand, but don't you take his life. Now, that was God's trust that his prophet would not fail him. Amen. See? And he's trusting you and I that we won't fail him. And then he and He said, don't you take his life. And Satan done everything but take his life. His children got killed and his cattle killed and uh, everything, is all of his riches was lost and he lost his health and everything but his life sat out there and scraped his boils, and his wife come to the door and... And uh, Satan got in her and said, uh, Thou, looked out there and said, Why don't you curse God and die? Said, uh, "Uh, You look so miserable. He said, Thou speakest like the foolish woman. See, now, he's never said she is foolish. He said she talked like one. See. He said, you speak like a foolish woman. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See? In other words, naked came I in the world. He said, naked I'll return, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And yeah, I never had nothing when I come here, and I'll go away with nothing, but still blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, my. You know, God will just let Satan tempt us so long, and then he gets tired of it, you see, so he's seen he could Satan had to leave him, man. But uh Abinadrad and all of them still stayed there and said, Well, you're a sacred sinner. But Job stayed pat on this. I am not a sinner. See? Job, you, you're doing you don't want to confess it, see? Because you're a secret sinner. You're doing it secretly, and God's punishing you for it. So that's the reason that uh, things are going for you the way they are. But he said, No, sir, I'm not a sinner. Because he was standing pat upon that righteousness of God, that burnt sacrifice. He had offered it. That's all he had to offer. That's all God required. And did you notice? As the Spirit of God come on the prophet. And everything got all right. You see, God restored back to Jobot. He restored back to him. His, where he had 10,000 cattle, he gave him 20,000 cattle. Where he had 40,000 sheep, he gave him 80,000 sheep. See? He restored everything back to him that he ever had. And you notice, it said, and he restored his seven children. See? He gave Job his seven children. Not, didn't give him seven other children, but he gave Job his seven children. Now, what was it? His house. Thy and thy house. Because... He was righteous because he was standing on everything that God gave us to be righteous or gave him was to offer that burnt offering. And he noted that was God's word and it could not fail. So did you ever think where them children was? They was in heaven waiting for him. See, he's with them today. And God saved Job's children. They were in heaven waiting for him. See, now if Job took an act upon the very thing that God told him to do, the only thing it was to be righteous, was to offer a burnt offering that was righteous, and he saved Job and his house. Then what is righteous before God? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thy and thy house shall be saved. So if I'm believing for my house, and you're believing for your house, by believing that, we trust God, God imputes our own faith like He did Abraham or Job or for righteousness, you see. So it's allotted to us for righteousness, and that's how, that thou and thy household shall be saved. Oh, I think it's a wonderful thing. So then, not only that, but I'm holding for every brother, all my brothers, my sister. I'm not only holding for that, but I'm holding for every person that's in my church. I'm holding for you all. I want you to hold for me. Because of the righteousness of faith. We don't have to make a burnt offering. Christ is our offering. But we have to have faith in that offering that Christ made, that he made us this kind of a a promise, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, that I'll do. When thou prayest, believe that you receive what you've asked for, and you shall have it. Now, if I'm praying that God will save these teenage children, and I believe with all my heart he'll do it, see, that's the same way Job stood Say, oh, look at this kid. I don't care what he's doing or what she's doing. I still have put that child in the hand of Almighty God and my, me and my house shall be saved. See? Because I, even though I may pass on before they do, but somehow before they leave here, God will twist them right down on the trail. I, I believe that somehow or another. He'll make it so miserable for them until they have to do it. See, And um, that's why I believe it's thy and thy house shall be saved. I've seen a many, that, I've watched that come into my meetings. Many times an old oh boy come up there, has been rough all his life. he fall down on his knees and go to cry. And get up. So I had a dear old mother. Oh, if she's in heaven tonight, I know she's looking down and she's glad to see me at this altar. See, what it is that old mother prayed and believed. See, she's gone all along, but here's that prayers because the righteousness, see, thy and thy house shall be saved. God knows how to work. He knows how to do. He knows how to do everything just right. As I said the other day, when we are born of the Spirit of God, God isn't weak in one place and strong in another. If you've got a little shadow of God in you, just a little speck of God, then you've got all power. You've got enough power in you to make a world and go out and live in it. But, of course, that power is controlled by faith. If it wasn't, we'd all have us a world out there living in it. But if you're a son of God or a daughter of God, you've got the power of God in you. See? So then you... um, that law holds that faith to a certain thing. Now, let's take, for instance, all of us, we say. We once lied, we'd steal, we'd, we'd uh, curse and swear and do everything that's wrong. Well, one day when we accepted Christ, what did he do? He opened up as soon as we accepted him. That's a faith, just like Paul told the Roman I have believe, just exactly what Job did believe. See? And as soon as we accepted Christ as our Savior, immediately we received enough faith that we walked away. No more lying. No more stealing. No more cheating. See? No. Why? We rolled right up above that sin that we used to ride in there. We we a lot of that much faith. Why? Because that we believe that we are saved. Is that right? We believe here that we are saved. So then we ride up above that because we believe we are saved. Now listen to this just before I get to the questions. See? Brother, sister, I'm going to give you a little secret on myself. I guess you've often wondered how I see those visions and things. What makes it? It's because when he met me that night and told me that, see, this would happen. I believe it. I solemnly believe it. And I go in to pray for the sick. If I can ever get the feeling that something's fixing to happen, they're fixing to get Well, So, always it's about right. And that's the way we must do with our family, with anything we ask for. We must pray, and God respects faith, you see, to believe it. We must believe that it is right. Now, with that little bit of God, when you said, Yes, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, I'm not worthy of your love, but you did love me, so I accept you as my Savior. Immediately, you walk right out of there, and what is it? You stop your lying, you stop cheating, you stop stealing. You stop doing things that you oughtn't to do. Why? Because you believe that you are a Christian, and because you believe you're a Christian, you rise up from that you to another level. Now, see. Now, if you're sick, you're healing. You can't just believe it. Now, you can't make yourself believe it. It's got to be something happen to you, just like your conversion. It's got to happen. I tell my wife the other day how much I loved her. So um, I don't guess she wants me to talk about this, but. Uh, I do it in private, so I guess I can do it in public uh, right now. I tell her how much I loved her and uh, how I always have loved her since the first beginning. I said, it don't make any difference. She said, oh, Bill, she said, talk about how fat she's getting her hair turned gray. I said, honey, you could be that wide and no hair. I'd still love you just the same, see, because it has to be something there that you you have to meet that you love somebody. And unless that person loves that other person, this is for you young girls that's not married, see, and you boys. When you meet that girl that you love, and there's just something you know you love her, and that's just all there is to it, or you love him, and that, you don't care whether he's handsome or whether he's not handsome or whether she's pretty or not pretty, that doesn't matter, but you love him just the same, and you better watch, kind of hold around close there, because that's, you're getting close to home there. And I, I, uh, a marriage based outside of that, is sure to fall or it'll never be successful It'll never be happy Amen. now i said that to get around to one thing i want to say friends a conversion outside of the same thing won't last either Amen. it won't when you go to church and and you say well uh, i'm going to join church and i'm going to be baptized if that isn't coming from a heart of love to god the honor, it'll never go nowhere You just all you'll do is join church and be baptized. But when you're converted to Christ, a love to Christ, then you accumulate a faith in Christ, like you would to your wife or to your husband. You accumulate a faith that you walk in that faith. I don't know, you just something about you, you just got a something that anchors you there, you see. Well that's the same way it is about Christ. And what Christ says, you believe it and you just stay right with it. And that's where it just raises you right up above it, and God brings it to pass and fulfills his promise. If thou believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thy and thy house shall be saved. So now I just thought I'd say that. Now, I don't talk up too much of the time of it, 30 minutes, to say that. But you know what I mean now. That's what it is. If you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not only for salvation, for yourself, for your loved one, for the healing of the child, or for a mother, or for anything that you desire that's right, and you know if you desired something that wasn't right... You, you wouldn't have faith enough to ask God in the first place because you know it ain't right. See, if you're sincere and know that it's right, then you can ask God with a clean heart, knowing it's no selfish motive, and your objective and motive is exactly right, then ask God and like a child believe you get it, and you get it. I know that. I've come to Christ when I was about the age of one of these boys here, I guess. I was about 20 years old. And I uh, served him all this time, and I'm 52. It'd be 53 my birthday. I can sincerely say that I have never asked Christ sincerely for anything that is it's now that really sincerely asked him anything was for right but what he gave it to me or told me why he couldn't do it and then later on I found out good a good thing I didn't get it see but just remember when you believe on him have faith in him and trust him don't don't try to shove yourself to do it just stay with him and reason it out like if, you, if I was coming to Brother Welch here to borrow you a thousand dollars. I guess he couldn't get it because he I may mean, not have it. But if he had it, now nah, I could get it. Now I'd come and try to lay the case down. I'd come and say, Welch, give me That's a thousand. That's no way to do it. That's the way to ask God. I'd come up. I'd take to Brother Welsh. I'd say, Could I speak to you a few minutes, Brother Welsh? Sure, Brother Brown. Go over to one side. Sit down. Say, Brother Welch, the first thing I want to ask you: Do you have a thousand dollars that you could get a hold of for me? Well, he, if he we get, we're friends. Or he'd be asking me, or him, or one of you, brethren. It'd be the same. We'd say, "Yes." Now here's why, What I want, I'd lay down and show him. I say, "Brother Welch, I'm over here in a meeting. I'm absolutely up against it. I got to leave the town, and I'm a thousand dollars in debt. I just got to have the money from somewhere. Now, the Lord put it upon my heart to come to you, and I'd explain to you now. Now from another meeting that I had at a certain place." I've got $1,000 coming in, which will be about three months from now. I can pay you. I'll pay you interest on it if you want it. Just lay it all down and explain it to him why. I don't want to leave that town like that. It's a bad thing on my name if I do that. And then they're going to say he's nothing but a cheat and a steal and, um, and leaving the town, owing money. See what I mean? I'd explain it to you. Sit down like a brother and talk it over with you. Well, I believe if I do that and, and you like me as you do, you you'd do anything. You, you'd pawn an automobile or sell something out of the house to get the money. That's see you'd do it. Any of you would, and I would for you. But it would be the the right thing. Just come sit down and talk it over one another. Let let you know. You see, express our feelings to each other. You're my friend. That's the reason I come to you. Now that's the same way it is. But Christ, see, you're my Lord. I, I'm I'm sick. I uh, the doctor says he can't do nothing for me. But but. I know you can because you're my Lord. And um, uh, and just speak it over with him until you feel then that if, if you receive it. And that's your faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I, when I feel that way, it's as good as I got it. Sure, I'll go ahead because I got it. See, I done, uh, he's done promised me that I got it. So that, that settles it. Now I just keep on holding on, waiting. Finally, first thing you know, here it comes, pouring down out of the corners of heaven, and you, you got it. But that's it, you see. Thy and thy house shall be saved. And if you don't see them all saved before you leave the earth, you'll, they'll be there when, you get time, when the great coming comes. It'll be there. Now, you understand what I mean, see? It's by faith we do everything. Believe on the Lord. Believe on the Lord for a job. Believe on the Lord to hunt, oh, the, give you the wife that you should have. Believe on the Lord to give you the husband you should marry. Believe on the Lord to send you some new furniture. Or, or if, the, if the barrel goes empty and the cruise gets dry and there's no food and the children are hungry, believe on the Lord. Believe on the Lord for anything. See, as long as it's right, just believe on the Lord and I shall. See, it shall come. I've never seen it fail in all my life. God bless you. How about you read some of them questions for me? Could you read them for me? Uh, I hope I get these right. I don't want to keep you too long. How about maybe about 10 minutes and, and um, give him Jimmy a little time to study him over there and see if I, and uh, they're going to be ask me right blank, right out. So if I can't say them, well, you'll understand. But you understand what I mean now to believe? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thy and thy house shall be saved. Believe for yourself, and believe for your house, and you shall have it. Say, uh, well, the doctor said I can't get well. Well, if thou can believe on the Lord, you can get well. Well, I'm out of work, but if you believe on the Lord, see, and uh, uh, you shall have work, and uh, I don't know what to do about this situation. Believe on the Lord. Look where it sits with me right now and why there. I've always thought the Lord wanted me to leave Jeffersonville. Now it's got to a spot that I just had to commit myself to him. So here I am. He knows where I'm at right here tonight. So where he wants me to go, I'll go. he wants me to do I'll do it. And I'll be right along till he tells me, you see. All right, Jimmy, have you got him, my boy? Uh, when ratchet takes place when all believers, family, wives, and children go, they are in faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord. Yes. Yes. Will all the family go in the in the rapture? See? Yes. See? Now, if you notice, the rapture is going to be a universal thing. And uh, how, did you all get that lesson all right, Sunday? You all understand it all right about how close we are at the time, the 70 weeks of Daniel? You all were there, Sunday, wasn't you? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I think, Brother Welch, you got the tape of it, and some of you could play it, and, and you got the map of it, I believe, haven't you? And you just draw it out and... And to them, it wasn't here. Maybe explain it to them, you see, so they, they can get it. I want you to see just by the Scriptures. I've got one word to say into it. The Scriptures just prove it. That we're, we're at the end time. Now, I uh, was talking today to the brethren. You say, well, Brother Branham, if you believe that the rapture is that close, then why do you go fishing? If I put my mind to it constantly, it'd almost run you wild. When you think of the tens of thousands of people out here in sin that don't know Christ. And I think, here I am, what can I do? But here's what I think. I cannot save one unless God called him. See? I can't do it. And I couldn't save them anyhow. But all the Father has given me will come to me. So if he don't tell me where to go, then what can I do, see? So the thing I do, just not be not be all weary about it. That'd be worse than ever. I'm happy about it. I'm just, just all packed up and ready, you know, when it comes, Lord. Here I am. <laughs> I'm just waiting. And now here's what happens. The, the raptured saints, as you notice on the chart Sunday... Now, the early Pentecostal brethren, or the late Pentecostal brethren, don't give that those back churches room enough there, I don't believe. But I believe that every born-again Christian, and how are we born again? When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, see. And except, now, I don't believe just because you say in your mind you believe, I believe your life tells whether you're really a Christian or not. Uh, you say, what uh, yeah, uh, today uh, the lady down there said something about being a, a Christian, or something, and she said, and what denomination? See, right quick, they want to know what denomination. I said, don't belong to any denomination, just a Christian. See, a Christian, you say, well, a Christian means a Camelite. No, that that's, is called them Christian, but that don't mean Christian. I know many people that I think belong to what was called the Christian church. It wasn't Christians. And the Christian ministers will tell you the same thing. of The Christian church, they got many members that are not Christian. But Christian is not A church that you belong to, it's an experience that you have had of being born into the family of God. Now, notice in that the rapture will be universal because he said, There will be two in the field, and I'll take one and leave one. There will be two in the bed, I'll take one and leave one. You see, when it's dark on one side of the earth, where two's in the bed, it'll be harvest time on the other side of the earth. Well, there be two in a field, see? It shows it'll come one great big rapture. It'll come right out from the world, see? Two in a field, and I'll take one and leave one. Two in bed, I'll take one and leave one. Now, we, um, we see that, and then everyone that was found written in the book was delivered in that day of that before that tribulation. So, if your children, your mother, your loved ones, whoever they are, if their name is written on the Lamb's book of life, my precious children, you'll be right there. No matter where we're at, if uh, if I'm flying overseas and uh, the airplane explodes in the air, and I you never even find a piece of me in, in, in this body, that won't have one thing to do with it. See, I'll be right there just the same. Don't you worry about that. I'll be right there to shake your hand and, and praise the Lord with you and crown Him King of King and Lord of Lords. See, I suppose maybe if Paul's body there isn't even a speck of dust left, Harley but all the materials that made his body up is somewhere. So they'll be gathered together at that day. When you die, you actually do not die. A Christian cannot die. There's no such a thing as death for a Christian, not in the Bible. Like when Lazarus, they said, they said our friend Lazarus sleepeth, Jesus said. See, he never said he was dead. He said he sleepeth. They said, oh, well, if he's sleeping, I suppose he's doing all right, then he must be getting along better. So he had to talk their language. He said, Now, nah, otherwise, in your own language, he's dead. And I'm glad for your sake that he wasn't there. I'll go and awaken uh, him. See? Oh, yeah. See? Sleep. See? He still had his own. See? For your sake, for your way in order, he's dead. But to me, he's asleep, and I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to raise him up. I'm just going to wake him. And I'm going to wake him up. And um, so uh, uh, you, you notice when Jesus himself died... See, there's three parts of the body. So, uh, Three parts of us: soul, body, and spirit. As you have seen in the seven church ages, I had it drawn out. Five entrances to the body. See, feel, smell, and hearing, conscience, and so forth. To the soul. And, uh, and then to the spirit, there's one avenue. That's uh, uh, your own free moral agency. That's make a decision, you see. You can turn it down, or, or you can accept it. And um, so now... Um, when a person accepts Christ and is saved, your whole household, your whole family, every family of the earth will be saved. Now when, or go in, when Christ died, he committed his spirit to God before he left the the cross. He said, Into thy hands I command my spirit. And the Bible said his soul went to hell and preached. That's his conscience and what he was. The spirit was in prison and his body went to the grave. Now see, he was behind a barricade of scriptures. He couldn't rise for three days. And his spirit was back up here in the presence of God. Now, after three days, that barricade was taken down because the scriptures fulfilled. And his spirit went to the soul, and the soul went to the body. And he rose up. He said, before he died, he said, I have power to lay my life down. I have power to take it up again. Now, think of it. Every one of you in here, as far as an tonight's Christians. Now, look. The thing that's in you now, The spirit that's in you now is the same spirit that'll raise you up. You have power to lay your life down. You're doing it right now for Christ. And then you have power to take it up again. You have power to lay it down, power to take it up. For it's the very spirit of God that's in you that raises you up. It's the very spirit of God that was in Christ that raised him up. So you have power to lay it down. You have power to take it up. And when you die or... And you, our loved ones or somebody goes on ahead of us, they're not dead. They're spirits with God. Their souls are under the altar of God. Their bodies in the grave, and they know right where it's at. So what happens? When the scriptures all fulfilled, like in the Bible it said, these souls are on the altar crying, Lord, how long? How long? They want to come back to earth and be in bodies. He said, Just a little longer to your fellow servants that suffered like you have for the testimony of Christ. Then you see when that scripture is fulfilled, Then them spirits descend right straight under the altar there and take up that soul. That soul goes right down and picks up the body, and there you are raised again. Think of it. The Holy Spirit that's right in this building tonight, the Holy Spirit that's right here in my heart, will raise me up at the last day. This Holy Spirit that's in me now will see to it that I have a young, immortal body. And never nevertheless, the Holy Spirit that's in you will see that the gray hairs will fade away and whatever it is and, you, and the old age if you're so old and whispers down and walking like that they don't make one bit of difference that same Holy spirit is smack at you right back at that day just a young man woman that's the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the spirit that's in us right now right now not one that will come the one that's in us now it's God mm-hmm. in you now and he will raise you can raise yourself up and why can't you do it now because see the scripture holy you got to wait for the rapture See there here, you gotta stay right there. See, you're not allowed to get this high. If it would be, well, we I said we'd build us a little private world. You'd be living over no one world, me on another, and then there would be no coming of the Lord Jesus, and what would it be? See? But you have power to do
2: it. Amen.
0: But you love the message of the hour. Power's in you. Amen. Amen. Why don't we invite the musicians to come? I just wanted to read. I read this at the, the, the prayer meeting last night, and I, I just want to read this. And it says here it says, The disciples had total deliverance. It's absolutely total deliverance. Why? Because they were completely and totally filled with the Holy Spirit. When you just a church member and shook hands, shook the pastor's hand, or had some little experience, or shouting, or jumping, or speaking in tongues, or something another, and still got malice in your hearts and strange asks and telling lies and smoking cigarettes, lusting for women, there's something that hasn't happened yet. There's something wrong. For he that loves the world or the things of the world, the love of God's not even in him. You've been missled, but by your fruits you'll know them. But he says this. He says we all want to be unified together with the Holy Spirit. Every member should be unified, one with the other. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We are delivered from the things of the world. Jesus said, this will all men know, you are my disciples, when you got love, one for the other one. When one member loves the other member so much, it would die for it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Believe in a time like this, let's just pull together as a body of Christ. I want to sing, I believe it'd be fitting to sing our theme song, Some Glad Morning. Some glad morning When this life is over